MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, May 11th, 2020. Today, the White House is a coronavirus hotspot. Health and Human Services whistleblower Dr. Bright speaks out in a 60 Minutes interview. Documents show the Trump administration buried detailed plans from the CDC. More administration watchdogs depart. At least 47 states partially reopened over the weekend as cases pile up. Cuomo and Hakeem Jeffries put churches to work in New York. And an update on the Flynn case. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody, it's AG. I am doing the show remotely today. Jordan's going to be sending in her A-block clips for you, and she's going to give you some updates on some really important stories going on in the pandemic and surrounding issues. Um, We had a wonderful time uh, on Saturday with our pizza party. We did a pizza sort of uh, Q&A cocktail hour, happy hour thing. That was so much fun. Thank you for everybody who joined us on that. We'll be doing it again this Saturday. We'll have to come up with a theme. I think we came up with a theme. What was it going to be? The 80s. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out and we'll let you know. Um, patrons, you can join that. If you're not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com slash the daily beans uh, or Muller She Wrote. Either one. You'll be a patron of both shows. And uh, we do have a lot of news uh, to get to this week, but I definitely wanted to thank everybody for joining us. And we have an amazing, uh, Jordan will be joining me later for the Good News Block and and Quarantine Confessions. I've already recorded them with her. They're incredible. We're doing a little time flip here. So uh, you definitely want to stick around for that. And I've got an interview with uh, Andrew Torres, real life lawyer, co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast. We're going to talk about the filing error in the Flynn motion to dismiss the department of justice's motion to dismiss the flynn case and it's interesting it's more interesting than just a clerical error there seems to be a little bit of cover-up going on so you definitely want to stick around for that but right now let's hit the news with the hot notes hot notes hello and welcome to jordan's corn beans from my kitchen someone said it sounds like i say corn and beans which is very fair actually but it is not corn. It is corn beans. Today, I have a uh, story pretty much just on stuff you've probably been hearing in the news. COVID-19 just rearing its head closer and closer to uh, the Trump inner circle. And at this point, there's a decent amount of cases now that are all happening uh, kind of all around him. And the way that they're responding versus the way that other officials in the task force are responding is pretty different, so we're going to go over some of that today. When I say we, I mean me, myself, and I. Um, So we first heard news of the valet getting sick. That's that person that's essentially like an, you know, kind of personal assistant-like type uh, to Trump. Like a a butler-like. Surprised Trump just didn't call him a butler. Like, he got sick. And that was the first piece of news that we heard. Then... We started getting more news about people uh, that had gotten sick, two AIDS tested positive for COVID-19, and there were a lot of people that potentially were exposed to that, um, and senior members of the pandemic task force were included in that, and some of them 
stopped you know said that they were they went into self-quarantine basically three of them did those three people were Stephen Hahn of the FDA he's FDA commissioner and CDC and prevention director Robert Redfield uh and then Fauci we got word that Fauci was going into a modified self-quarantine as well so they're going to telework uh some combination of self-quarantining and teleworking for two weeks after that exposure to COVID-19 and so so that's what that's what they're doing and then we have on the other side what Trump and Pence are doing and what they're encouraging others to do in, in memos, essentially, um, which is making the argument that virtually everybody on the task force is essential and as such, you know, they're going to keep expecting people to, like, come into work. And with that being said, there's the caveats of them saying they're going to engage in excessive daily cleaning of the areas and they're saying don't worry trump and pence are getting tested every day and we're doing everything we can to keep them safe and everybody that's around but there was no mentions of wearing masks for example in one of the memos and the stark difference here really is what this hot note is about between how people are handling it that are scientists and how people are handling it that are I can't even say politicians because it's Trump and he's not a fucking politician. He's just an idiot. So how how they're handling that. Um, Pence spokeswoman Katie Miller also tested positive too. I forgot to mention that at the top. Uh, so, so there's just more and more people that are kind of getting closer to the circle. It's like this Fibonacci spiral that they're just uh, the the virus is just going down, just trending closer and closer to the epicenter of the inadequate leadership of this country. And obviously, no one's like, I mean, the reason why this is news isn't because people want them or like sitting there hoping that they get sick or anything. It's that there's a huge example to be set in how you handle this and they're not setting that example and they haven't been setting that example really this whole time they're talking about social distancing and cleaning and they're talking about a lot of the things that are good obviously you know you have to give i guess you don't have to i'm gonna give credit where credit is due they're not blatantly saying fuck the virus like some of the people in my friend circle are uh just saying whatever i'm not i'm not scared i'm not gonna do anything they're not saying that they are saying they're going to take increased precautions in a lot of areas, but the ones that are, you know, mainly recommended by the CDC and by scientists all over the world, that two-week self-quarantining period, they're just not going to do. And it's weird because teleworking, you know, I really don't see why that's like, like the whole world is shifting to teleworking in many ways right now. If you're, a task force meets so meeting online for a few days, I really don't understand why that is such an issue, which makes me wonder if it's a more obstinate move to perpetuate the messaging that you don't need to do something like that because when we do something like that or require that things like that are done in a greater society, you know, that, that does lend itself to things that put more strains on the economy. And I feel like that's what this all kind of comes down to. And that's why it's particularly frustrating because it's denying you know the advice of scientists uh pretty blatantly actually especially with that whole not even including the face mask thing 
pair that with Pence not wearing his face mask when he went to visit that clinic and and you just get a whole smorgasbord smorgasbord that word was meant to be mispronounced (laughs) for the twitter follower that tweeted at me saying it causes them pain when i say words wrong i hope you enjoyed that one right in the gut a kick in the gut of smorgasbord um white house spokesman judd deer can you think of a more American name? Judd with two D's, deer like the tractor. Holy shit. Judd Deere says, The president's physician and White House operations continue to work closely to ensure every precaution is taken to keep the president, first family, and the entire White House complex safe and healthy at all times. In addition to social distancing, daily temperature checks and symptom histories, hand sanitizer, and regular deep cleaning of all workspaces, every staff member in proximity to the president and vice president is being tested daily for COVID-19 as well as, as any guests. So, again, no mention of, like, masks or quarantining periods in there. But when I do read that, the first thing I do kind of think, and maybe it's just because I'm a hater, is just like, oh, how convenient for you. You're protecting that very select group of people. What about the AIDS? What about the pandemic task force that, that you're not encouraging to maintain, um, you know, safety in, in, the, in the ways that I was just talking about? It's kind of, I don't know. I read that and I'm like, cool, I don't really care. <laughs> that's That's kind of brutal of me. Sorry. Um, The White House will receive heightened levels of daily cleaning, according to that memo. Um, As for the quarantine of 14 days, though, it did say that all employees must quarantine for 14 days if they leave the Washington region and must report all their travel. The memo did not suggest that their employees wear masks, like I said. Um, and, And so I guess this is a bit confusing to me. Correct me if I'm misunderstanding here, please, but you're saying that employees must quarantine for 14 days if they leave the Washington region. Wouldn't the presumption of that reasoning be that if they traveled, they may have picked it up, and because they may have picked it up and might have it, you need to quarantine yourself? So then, when you look at someone, multiple people, many people, honestly, at this point, who have been confirmed to have COVID-19, but then you don't want to implement 14-day quarantines in that scenario. Obviously, I guess the only argument that they would probably make against that is, yeah, but we're saying you should quarantine the people that get it or could have gotten it versus the people that may be exposed to it, but we do, we just know this to be such a highly contagi- contagious disease. It's just, it just seems like such a fucking dumb thing. I hate to even spend so much time reporting on it, kind of, just because I don't hate, that's a strong word. I, I, I hate that they're getting a rise and conflict out of obstinately refusing to do something that is very simple. That's how I feel. You're going through all of these other measures to keep everything clean and test everybody daily. You're going to daily test people, but say it's like ridiculous and unnecessary to have them telework from home for two weeks. I just don't understand that. It's nonsensical. Just have them fucking quarantine. But again, 
I I th- I don't I think it's a bit I think it's a bit more than uh, an innocent reason. It just seems antagonistic towards the scientific community. I guess not in the sense that they're talking about all the sanitizing and social distancing and stuff, but it's like just fucking you're intentionally tripping at the finish line of responding to this in a responsible way. Just fucking quarantine. That's it. Just set a good example. And that's it. That's all we ask until it is established across the country that, you know, we're going to start easing up on these kinds of restrictions and precautions. And I don't even know how long it's going to be until we start easing up on precautions. Like when we go back to hanging out in small groups or whatever that looks like, whatever steps to the reopening look like. I don't know what the, the, I I imagine the two week quarantine will still stay in place as well. So that's just, that's just something that's here to stay. I imagine it should probably continue to be well established in the, the brains of Americans. So it's a bummer that they're not doing that basically. TLDR of this hot note. Bummer. So easy to not be a bummer. Just don't be a bummer. You have the technology. Set a good example. Please. I believe in you. I'm trying to insert positivity where I can, guys. <laughs> it's like, I want I want so badly for things to be good. Sometimes I feel like I talk about so much bad news with such a tone of like hatred and disgust towards Trump and his administration that I feel like I need to acknowledge the way better alternative would be for them to not fuck up. That's what I'm really rooting for. I'm really rooting for them to not fuck up and to not keep fucking up. I care more about that than I care shitting on them. So come on, do the right thing. If there's a conservative listening to this podcast that has an ear in Trump's McDonald's ear, <laughs> I was going to say hairy man ear, and I'm like, I'm going to get shit for saying he has hairy ears. What's something else I can give him shit for? McDonald's. Everyone can shit on McDonald's. <laughs> that has nothing to do with ears. I digress. You can do it, Trump. Do the right thing. But I still hate you. All right, that's been my hot note, everybody. Thank you. Um, I hope you all are holding up okay. I know I say that every time, but I mean it every time. We love you. Uh, thank you for the birthday wishes, everybody. That was so sweet. I got I was flooded with birthday tweets and messages, and I tried very hard to respond to them. I will still go through and respond to as many as I can, but I really, really, really appreciate them, and I saw them, and... Y'all are the best. Thank you. Birthdays are... Uh, I have a childlike happiness surrounded on my birth... Surrounding me on my birthday. So thank you for uh, placating that. Okay. All right. Goodbye, everybody. All right, Jordan. Thanks so much for that update. Stick around. We've got a lot more headlines and that interview with Andrew Torres coming up. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Beachbody On Demand. Right now, we're all stuck at home, and it's important to stay active and keep moving, both physically and mentally. It's crucial to keep up the momentum so we don't sink into complacency. And you can work out and even take classes in the comfort of your own home with Beachbody On Demand. Beachbody On Demand is the easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1,300 super effective workouts suited for any body at any time. 
Beachbody On Demand is the best streaming workout platform there is. They're the company behind P90X, Insanity, and the 21 Day Fix. You can check out some of Beachbody's newest programs, uh, like Morning Meltdown 100 and 80 Day Obsession. And start every day strong in the morning. I start my day with uh, just recently started Meltdown 100, and I feel stronger before I even have my first cup of coffee, and that's sort of my reward for getting through it. Um, but the workouts are great, and they're, you know, Beachbody On Demand, you get motivated by celebrity super trainers. They have access to hundreds of effective workouts for all fitness levels. There's a lot of moderation if you need to, and modifications if you if you need those as well. I use those <laughs> quite a bit, especially with push-ups. Um, but they have weight training, they have cardio, yoga, meditation, dance workouts, uh, exercise on your schedule with workouts as short as 10 minutes. They don't require any extra equipment. So in the time it takes you to drive and park at the gym, which we can't do anyway, you'd be finished working out. You can access it from anywhere, anytime, on any device, computer, tablet, smartphone, and more. It's the best deal in fitness, and listeners of The Daily Beans can try it absolutely free. I want you to check out Beachbody right now so our listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text Daily Beans, all one word, to 303030. You will get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and support totally free for your trial. Again, just text the word Daily Beans, all one word, to 303030. All right, everybody, welcome back. One of the big stories to come out over the weekend about coronavirus and the mishandling of the pandemic by this administration came from the Associated Press. Quote, the decision to shelve detailed advice from the nation's top disease control experts for reopening communities during the pandemic came from the highest levels of the White House, according to the internal government emails obtained by the Associated Press. Unquote. So after the Associated Press reported last Thursday that there was a 17-page guidance document that was buried by the Trump administration, Trump ordered key parts of it to be fast-tracked for approval. He got caught, basically. And these emails show the nation's top officials at the CDC spent weeks working on this guidance, but it was quashed by political appointees with little to no explanation as to why. The document, entitled Guidance for Implementing the Opening Up America Again Framework, was written to help... Uh, faith leaders, business owners, um, educators, uh, state and local officials, uh, schools, as they began to, you know, the, the process of figuring out how to reopen. And it included decision trees and flow charts to help navigate the decisions to reopen or remain closed. Like, do you have this? Do this. Do you have this? Don't do this. Like, simple flow charts. But Friday, Kaylee McNugget, McEnany, McEnany, uh, Frau Blucher, <laughs> told reporters that the documents had not been approved by Redfield at the CDC. But these new emails show that he did clear the guidance. So there's a big lie from a lady who promised to never lie to us. But despite being approved by the CDC, Trump shelved the document on April 30th and went with his gut. Uh, we now know as early as April 10th, in fact, Redfield shared via email the guidance with Trump's inner circle, including Kush, Kellyanne Conway, a guy named Joe Grogan, <laughs> not Joe Rogan, Joe Grogan, uh, along with Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci, and other task force members. As early as April 10th, Redfield did. Three days later, the CDC sent a 60-page report with the guidance to the White House. They sent it to the White House Office of Management and Budget for approval. That's generally what, how you do it. But the 17-page document that was released earlier was only part of that 60-page document. Friday, Associated Press got the entire thing, and that version is a more universal series of phased guidelines geared to advise communities on testing, contact tracing, and other infection control measures, not just gating criteria. And Redfield weighed in on Friday, contradicting his own emails and siding with Trump, 
like the sycophant that he is, despite being in quarantine, saying the thing was just a draft. But on April 24th, Redfield emailed the document to Dr. Doctors Burks and Grogan. I don't know if Grogan's a doctor. Um, Scarf Lady and, and Grogan. Uh, the Gorgon. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call him. It's Medusa. Anyway, he emailed that April 24th and asked for their review. And attached uh, were the decision trees, including one for meatpacking plants. That was left out uh, in the eventual release. Uh, and after two days, because we know Trump put an executive order that meatpacking plants have to stay open despite being a hot spot. And after two days, uh, Redfield hadn't heard anything and sent an email to the Office of Management Budget saying, hey, we need this as soon as possible so we can get them posted. But the Office of Management and Budget said they were awaiting White House review. And for days, the CDC kept sending inquiries. Hey, hey, we need this. We want to publish it by May 1st because that's when Trump plans to open businesses. But on April 30th, the documents were killed for good. Uh, according to the AP, a White House staffer emailed the CDC saying the guidance should be more cross-cutting and it should say when they should reopen. We need dates and how to keep people safe. And fundamentally, the task force cleared this for further development, but not release. Not for release. And Trump had already released his plan by then. And then hours later on April 30th, the CDC chief of staff McGowan told CDC staff none of it would ever see the light of day. This thing you've been working on since April 10th with flow charts for meat packing plants and contact tracing and testing and how to reopen safely. Not going to see the light of day. The CDC stood down and it was shelved until May 7th. And that morning, the Associated Press reported that Trump buried the guidance. And after that story ran, within hours, the White House called and ordered the CDC to refile the decision trees except the one that targeted churches. Also, in news... Uh, Dr. Bright, Dr. Rick Bright, the whistleblower that outed corruption in the contract awards and the mishandling of the coronavirus pandemic by this administration is and the task force, of course, is, is speaking out apart from his official complaint filed last week, which we went over, which is astounding. And again, if you haven't read that, I highly recommend picking it up. Dr. Bright says he believes he was removed in retaliation for wanting to put science ahead of politics and refusing to back the hydroxychloroquine bullshit and, and calling them out for ignoring the need for PPE. And since then, the Office of Special Counsel, uh, which is a watchdog uh, in, in the federal government executive branch, has said it sees that this could have been retali retaliatory, and they are fully investigating it now. The fact that he was, you know, given a, a shit job, moved out of his position at the head of BARDA at the Health and Human Services Department and put into a shit job at the NIH. Trump said, you know, he dismissed uh, Bright uh, over the weekend, I think it was on Thursday, as being a disgruntled employee. But Bright said in, a, in an upcoming interview with 60 Minutes that will air on May 17th, it's not out yet, he said, I'm not disgruntled. I'm frustrated at the lack of urgency to get a head start on developing life-saving tools for Americans. I'm frustrated at our inability to be heard as scientists. Those things frustrate me. We see too many doctors and nurses now dying. And I was thinking we could have done more to get those masks and supplies to them sooner. And if we had, would they still be alive today? It's a horrible thought to think about the time that passed where we could have done something and we didn't. And Health and Human Services uh, has said they strongly disagree with the characterization that moving Bright to the NIH was retaliatory. They disagree. But you better believe this will uh, be investigated. It is now. Uh, and I'll be turning. I'll be tuning into 60 Minutes on May 17th. Faux show. 
Um, also, uh, just a quick update. Mazars and Deutsche Bank cases headed to uh, Supreme Court. They're going to be heard tomorrow over the phone, live, 10 a.m. Eastern. I'll be listening. You're going to hear Clinton v. Jones, I think, referenced a lot. So be prepared for that. Uh, and uh, it should be an interesting oral argument. I have no idea how they're going to come down on this. For the longest time, I was like, this is so cut and dried. This is so clear. Uh, I know George Conway, Kellyanne's husband, wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post saying, here's the 86 reasons. I, I, I don't know if it was 86. Here's all the reasons that Trump should lose. And, it, you know, it's Clinton v. Jones. That's precedent here. Uh, this isn't even, you know, the, the president is not above the law, especially in his personal life. Uh, impeachment is the remedy for, uh, you know, the office of president. The law is the remedy for a private citizen. This is private citizen shit. Um, This hasn't got anything to do with the office of the president. And it's even more open and shut than than the Clinton v. Jones case because it's not even against Trump. It's it's subpoenas to third parties, Deutsche Bank and Mazars. So it'll be interesting to see how this how these arguments play out. I don't know that we'll be able to get a read on on what the court is thinking, but we'll be listening and, you know, we'll, we'll give you updates. And um, don't freak out, but Chief Justice Roberts has granted a temporary administrative stay in the Mueller grand jury materials case. We knew he would. Um, We knew they would do this. Uh, This is not the full stay. This isn't the major stay. This isn't the, you know, the real, the in real life stay. This is a temporary uh, 10 day, I think 11 day administrative temporary hold while they, you know, while the House can file its opposition to the Department of Justice's request for a stay while they seek appeal so that they don't have to hand over the Mueller grand jury materials information. And one should ask, you know, on the larger scale, in the grand scheme of things, why does the GOJ not want the Mueller grand jury materials handed over to Congress? If the Mueller report and Mueller was corrupt and if the Mueller report found no, no wrongdoing, and th- this should totally exonerate the president, and it should totally implicate the deep state. Why don't you want those documents handed over? In any case, um, they've asked for an appeal. They've asked that they don't have to be handed over. They've requested a full stay. And now they have uh, until May 18th, I believe, to the House does to file their opposition to the stay request. Then the Supreme Court will weigh whether or not they're going to allow a stay pending appeal. Uh, They could come out and say, we're not going to hear this on the merits. No stay, no nothing. Bam, that would be over. They could come out and say, we're going to grant the stay. You can appeal the case. We'll decide on the merits. Um, We'll find out. But it's it's happening. So stay tuned for that. We'll keep you posted. And speaking of Mueller cases, there have been some developments over the weekend in the Flynn case, and I have brought on an expert to help us with it. Joining us today to discuss the updates on the Flynn case is real-life lawyer and host of Opening Arguments, the podcast, the greatest podcast ever in the history of the universe, Andrew Torres. How are you? Second, second greatest. Oh, but, you know we're 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 close. You're right. Greg Greg Proop's podcast is <laughs> a little better. <laughs> No, but thank you. Uh, well, I'm I'm much better now after that uh, far too kind uh, introduction. How are you doing? Ah, uh, you know, uh, this is a. Uh... I'm okay. Shit's fucked up, but I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's the way to put. I mean, we were just saying, you know, before the before the record, like that that I the words 
don't often fail the the two of us, but um, we're we're rapidly heading into that territory. So I know today's episode was either going to be called White House Down or Shit's Fucked Up, and I can't I can't decide. <laughs> uh, probably for search engine optimization reasons, we might go with White House Down, but yeah, I, you know that's that's it's slightly snappier, and also I feel like Shit's Fucked Up is kind of evergreen at this point. So you know I know like. People are going to go, oh, really now? Let's check that out. <laughs> so <sighs> two things I'm wanting to know, because we've spoken since this Flynn shit went down. Um, but there's two things I want to know. First, we know last week Bill Barr's personal lackey that he installed in the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C., which intercepted most of Mueller's cases, by the way, when Mueller's work ended, quote unquote. Um, and that's Timothy Shea. He's took over for Jesse Liu, right? Um uh, and that happened when Trump promised her a job at the Treasury. And while she was walking over to the Treasury, he pulled the job out from under her. So Tim Shea signed. And, and, and parenthetically, Jesse Liu, I mean, you know, Jesse Liu is not Sally Yates, right? Like this is this was not somebody who was particularly anti-Trump to begin with. Anyway, I'm sorry. Dude. No, but, you know, she did. I think she did stand her ground on not indicting Andrew McCabe. And that that put her in some bad light. Um, but uh, Tim Shea signed his name all by his lonesome to a motion asking the court to dismiss the case against Flynn. This is the same Tim Shea who put in the request to go easy on Roger Stone during his sentencing. Uh, He was also alone on that one because in both the Stone and Flynn cases, no career prosecutor would sign on to that bullshit. Well, two questions. First, can Trump pardon crimes that have been dismissed, meaning if Judge Sullivan dismisses this case without prejudice, which means it can be picked up and prosecuted later on, can Trump pardon Flynn for his crime if there's no crime being charged anymore? And the answer to that is yes, right? It, it, this it. is really, yeah. So part of what is unbelievably devious about this recently filed Rule 48A motion um, is that it it really ties Judge Sullivan's hands, right? Like it it either, uh, you know, there there are three potential outcomes. Judge Sullivan can uh, decline to grant the motion, um, at, at which point, I mean, you know, we can sort of get into the legal standards on this, although we're, you know, sort of <laughs> sort of in uh, uncharted territory, uh, as, as we'll discuss. Um, he can dismiss without prejudice, right? Which is typically what you do in a 48A case, right? Like it, it, you, you say, uh, the government isn't prosecuting at this time, but you hold open the opportunity in order to continue to have leverage over defendant or, uh, he can dismiss with prejudice, which is of course what uh, the DOJ has now asked for. Right, because usually the Department of Justice wants the case dismissed without prejudice in case something else comes up and they want to move forward with it. That's not what's going on here, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 as, right, and the second half of that is if, if Judge Sullivan does anything other than dismiss with prejudice, then a, a pardon for Flynn will come the very next day. And I think even if he does dismiss with prejudice, now it's... A blanket pardon. pardon for everything, including the forest stuff? You might be right. Um, it, it's it's gross. But I mean, at least that would force Trump to do his own political dirty work, as I, as I said earlier <laughs> in the show. You know, because I, I feel like Trump... I mean, 
you know, why not just allow the sentencing to go forward and pardon the guy? And I think it's because he knows it's not politically expedient for him to do that. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I even agree with that. Right. Like it, it, it at this point, I think, right. Pardoning Flynn the 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 folks who are going to be correctly outraged right like, like if you're outraged by pardoning Flynn you have a hundred items already on your checklist of, of things that have outraged you if you're excited about him pardoning Flynn then you know you're a Trump lackey that requires your you know weekly dose of QAnon nonsense yeah. to to keep being fed um and and I I viewed this. I, I, I thought about this a lot. Can I give you? Can I give you my alternate view before you give me your view? Yeah, please do. The other view uh, on this is that by having the Department of Justice file a motion to dismiss the case, it muddies the water about the appropriateness or legitimacy of the entire investigation, which could allow Trump to lift sanctions placed on Russia by Obama for interference in the 2016 election, which is his top goal. And so, you know, sort of like how with the with, you know, with Ukraine, he was like, I just need you to announce that you're investigating Biden. You don't actually have to do it. In this case, it's like I just need the Department of Justice to put in question the legitimacy of the Mueller probe uh, or the Russia investigation so that I can so that I can get Mitch you know, give the give the Republicans in the Senate an excuse to lift the sanctions uh, before before the election, before he loses. Yeah, I I think that is highly plausible. I I also think that the the personal motivations are are really clear here, right? Like Donald Trump wants to rewrite history such that he was never impeached, such that the Mueller investigation never took place, uh, and uh, and on top of that, his. Techni- I mean, you know, we have seen we <laughs> we saw this firsthand uh, in in the recorded Ukraine conversation, right? Of the hey man, I would like to help you out, but you got to do us a favor first. And and this strikes me as the kind of unnecessary ring kissing, right? Like because mm-hmm. a- a- as we both said, right. Trump could have very easily pardoned Flynn. That has been teed up for months. Um, and forcing Bill Barr to force Tim Shea mm-hmm. to sign a pleading that he's not entitled to sign uh, is is the kind of, you know, capo tactics of, uh, I, I just want you to prove your absolute and complete loyalty to me to sign a, a pleading that is... Um, unprecedented nonsense from top to bottom. All, all of which has already been, Sullivan's already thumbed his nose at. I mean, there's nothing new in that document. I, I, I mean, this isn't the first time, you know, sorry, Tim Shea, this isn't the first time somebody's tried to file a motion to get this case dismissed. You're, 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 we take a fucking number. And all of this was included in the original motions, you know, motion to dismiss, uh, you know, the materiality of the lie, the, the investigation was already over. Bullshit. That uh, you know that 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 we know to be true uh, through public reporting. So, it's it it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Sullivan does in this case. It's going to be really interesting. I I think that Sullivan will grant the motion and dismiss with prejudice. Uh, that's what I lean toward as well. Um, but who knows? Who knows? He's he's pretty pissed off at Flynn and not, you know, not in a bias way, in a you are a fucking criminal way, as a judge would be pissed off at any criminal. Um, 
So, so can we talk about how unbelievably unprecedented this is? You are listening to the Daily Beans interview with Andrew Torres, and we'll be right back to discuss how rare this is, along with the filing error made by the Department of Justice and whether it was accidental. Stay with us. Hey friends, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by TheZebra.com. In these crazy COVID times, we're all trying to save as much money as we can. Meanwhile, Americans overpay on car insurance by an estimated $21 billion a year. Not in total, every year. Oftentimes, searching for a better deal can take hours and results in phone calls and pushy salespeople, and then you get spam emails, but not anymore, and that's thanks to TheZebra.com. They make comparing rates safer and easier. You can save up to $670 a year using TheZebra.com. TheZebra.com is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site because it's the only place you can compare quotes side-by-side from over 100 different providers and choose the best one for you in 90 seconds or less. TheZebra.com is an unbiased, independent service that allows you to compare rates from hundreds of insurance providers, including all the top companies, all in one place. Plus, they will never sell your information to the spammers. That means no scummy spam emails, no annoying or unwanted calls. You just answer a few quick questions on a simple, fast form, and they find the best rates and coverage in your state. TechCrunch calls the Zebra kayak for auto insurance. And Time Magazine says the Zebra is your best bet to compare car insurance rates across companies. Not everyone who uses a Zebra finds a lower rate, but those who do save an average of $368 a year. And the best part is it's completely free, with no spam. There's no risk. I know we could all use that extra cash right now, so why not check out thezebra.com. How much can you save on your car and home insurance? Go today and start saving at thezebra.com slash dailybeans. That's thezebra.com slash dailybeans, spelled T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A dot com slash dailybeans. And now we rejoin our interview with Andrew Torres. Well, I do know, because it was mentioned in the filing, that never has a judge denied a motion to dismiss filed by the prosecutors. Um, (laughs) So there's that. But I also want to get on, uh, speaking of unprecedented, the filing error that occurred. Uh, (laughs) And uh, if you think there's anything weird about that, because, as you know, as we know... um, Tim Shea signed under Jesse Liu's bar number, which is this a cut and paste error or is this a document that Jesse Liu was initially supposed to sign and she refused and was then offered a job at the Treasury? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Uh, So I don't know the second half of that. I, I do know the first half of that, which is really, really important um, because right. This is a court in which I routinely practice, right. In which I have, uh, one case pending right now, right? So I, I'm I'm acutely aware of, of how this procedure works. And if you look at the motion, right, you'll see at the top, the caption contains uh, the case number and then the document number, because all of these are filed electronically, right? And in order to file them electronically, you have to log in to CMECF um, and you then have to sign on to the system, right? Um, when when you do that, and, and look, like back in the day when I worked for a big firm, like I had my paralegal or sometimes even my assistant um, log on and do this for me. Yeah, yeah, of course. This, Tim Shea didn't write this thing. Y- yeah, and, and there's nothing inappropriate about delegating that to someone else. But it is to say that you don't, you don't act that that the the being admitted to the DC bar is a prerequisite to being able to file this electronically on the CMECF system. 
right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you you can't just, it's not like in the olden days where you could say, oh, well, you know, we just cut and paste this in here and we left that on. And look, like that sort of stuff does indeed happen all the time to lawyers, right? Like I've, because I practice in both Maryland and DC, like, you know, sometimes, you know, you transpose, Maryland doesn't have the same uh, bar numbers at the state level, but right, like all sorts of things like that can happen. That's not in and of itself suspicious. But (laughs) as is always the case with this administration, it's not the initial act that was so weird. It's the cover up afterwards. It's the explanation afterwards. And the, the idea that you would file this and not know that you were using uh, uh, someone else's bar number, it's just that that is not plausible. What was the cover up that happened afterwards? Well, uh, the, the, the explanation of, oh, well, you know, this was just uh, a, uh, a a typo because it was prepared uh, by, and I think, I, I forget who they said uh, prepared, initially prepared uh, the document, uh, but then when, when you go through the, uh, the metadata included, um, you see that this document was prepared by Shay's chief of staff um, and, uh, and not elsewhere right so in, in other words right like the the initial explanation was oh well you know it was the other prosecutors were working on this document and they must have just left the old bar number on there except that the version history and metadata shows that it was in fact Chase chief of staff who was working on this document so you know yeah and is it less likely for him to fuck that up than some other lawyer so i again there is like the screen is going to flash red at you, right? Like when you go to sign in, right? Because among other things, right? The CMECF system is how you track how they get paid, how the court gets paid for things that have filing costs, right? So you have to type in the client number and then you have to type in your bar number to log in. And if they don't match, you'll get a flag. And if they don't, if they don't match, it pops up and says you're not authorized to file documents in this jurisdiction. Um, So it's, it's not, possible <laughs> so what do you think is happening um i uh, does tim shea maybe not have a bar number <laughs> <laughs> well tim shea is not admitted in dc right uh-huh. he is not admitted to the dc bar as far as i can tell i went to to look that up so then would he have to have a sponsor to file a motion how, how did he get the stone thing through and and again all because if you have anybody else in the caption who is admitted in dc then that's fine, right? Oh, but nobody else would sign on with him. But nobody else would sign on to this piece of crap uh, because Van Grack, you know, withdrew. Everybody uh, withdrew at the same time, right? And and same thing happened, right, in the Stone case. So as long as you have one person admitted in D.C., the proper procedure would have would have been to have you know whoever that person is uh, sign off on the document and then have um, and then have Shea sign it with. Uh, Shay, you know, pro hoc vice appendix, right? And and again, that's not an issue. Okay, so then how did if if uh, you know if everybody pulled off of the Roger Stone thing too? How did Shay get? How did they get that document filed with just Shay? Yeah, fantastic question, uh, and one that I asked at the time that it came up to uh, one of my prosecutor friends because if you look at the case caption. Uh, the Stone document says, respectfully submitted, Timothy J. Shea, U.S. attorney. And then it says, by John Crabb Jr., 
assistant U.S. attorney, acting chief criminal division, uh, and then has both his New York bar number uh, and his uh, his D.C. office below that. And so. Oh, criminal division. Isn't that headed up by Benchkowski, that douchebag? <laughs> and so what I did was I asked, um, who's Crab? Right. And what I got was Crab is just, you know, a uh, he's just a guy. Right. And he's a guy in the D.C. bar, though. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. And and so if you look at I mean, remember, because you and I talked about the the, the supplemental <laughs> stone memorandum that it was it was bad and it was it in many ways indefensible but it wasn't facially preposterous right like it wasn't the kind of thing that you know if you just gave it to somebody and we're like oh hey man well we're we're shuffling prosecutors around can you take a look at this and like sign on behalf of Shea you know you might look at it and go okay yeah fine this looks fine um Right, because there is a legit there not well not that it's a legitimate argument, but there is an argument to be made that if, to go from seven to nine years, which was recommended for Stone by the probation officer or whoever, uh, the original prosecutors, uh, th- those were points added for threats, right? And so to it, it, it's going to be easier to say, hey, uh, you know, sign this, Mr. Crab, because. We're, you know, seven to nine. I think adding those points at the max is just a little too much. We're recommending less and somebody's more willing to sign off on it than the Flynn document. Yeah. And and the Flynn document is such that the, the moment the news broke, I had two separate prosecutor friends, one a current and one an ex, email and, and message me as I was recording the show at the time and say, you know, various versions of what the hell is this? Um since then, I, I called four others, right, who are either current or former federal prosecutors. And I asked them, have you ever seen, have you ever, because I'm a civil lawyer, right, so I, 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 don't, I don't know. I suspected what the answer was. But I said, have you ever seen the government file a 48A motion, right, to, to dismiss the prosecution after somebody had pled guilty. You and I you and I did the exact same thing. I called up Glenn Kirshner, worked at the DC US Attorney's Office for twenty five years, and I said, What of the fuck? What the ever loving fuck? Has this ever happened? Have you ever seen this happen? He's like, Hell no, I've never seen that happen. And and look, he goes he said you see that nobody else put their name on this piece of garbage. And so it's it's just quite interesting that they filed it using Jesse Liu's DC bar number when Shay doesn't have one. And I think what that means, at least, you know, I'm just going to put some beans on this, is that they went around and shopped it and nobody in the fucking DOJ would sign it. And the only way to get it out there and in in time was to just use Jesse Liu's number. I, I, I don't want to say I think that that's right in the sense that I think it's more right than I, I want to say uh, I want in on those beans. How about that? Yeah, um, we'll say be, that. Be, because it, 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 it truly is. And, and when you uh, so we all came to the same result, which is this doesn't happen. And so then I looked to the authority that is cited in the memoranda and the authority that's cited in the memoranda. Well, first, right. The, the case that is cited for the proposition that it is well established that the government may move to dismiss uh, even after a complaint has turned into a conviction because of a guilty plea is a Ninth Circuit case, right? And the Ninth Circuit sits over California and the West Coast, not D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and that case involved subsequent dismissal of a case because of a a, a change in the law after the plea was entered, right? So the Hector case involves somebody who pled guilty to both 
uh, receiving child pornography and possession of child pornography. And prior to sentencing, the uh, the Ninth Circuit came down with a decision that said you can't sentence somebody for both receipt and possession of child pornography, that it, it violates double jeopardy because the elements of those two crimes are so similar that you're essentially prosecuting somebody twice for the same offense. Sure. Um, and so uh, so then the judge went back and said, hey, um, you, you you've got a pick here. And uh, and the prosecutor said, no, 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 we're 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 not going to pick, you know, you you judge set out whatever kind of sentence you want. And then uh, and then, you know, we'll decide we'll elect how to proceed. And the judge was like, well, look, if you're not going to dismiss one of these counts, then I'm going to sentence him to the lesser offense. Right. And then the prosecutors (laughs) dropped the lesser. offense, Right. So, like, that's the procedural history in terms of how you wind up with subsequent uh, motions to dismiss when somebody has been convicted of a crime, you know, post-conviction, right? It's when other fundamental rights are at stake here. Sure. Or we have the Concord management case, uh, which could be argued that it was shady dismissal or not. But, you know, we we had, you know, American lawyers hired by Russians to troll the courts, to get documents, to get to get sources and methods for tradecraft going back to World War Two. And finally, the prosecutors are like, you're never going to come into court. Fuck off. Dismissed. Uh, we're wasting the taxpayers money. Um but even then, we didn't we didn't have a plea agreement. Yeah, he didn't plead guilty, right? Yeah, uh, or the entity didn't plead the, guilty. The right Concord, <laughs> um, but and and obviously, you know, you've you've been through the facts, but I, I think it, it's worth reiterating that literally every point that is raised in in this uh, motion to dismiss has been conclusively rejected. Uh, in December of 2019, right, as as you alluded to in the introduction. And it's just the, what I think is is crucial to know is that the arguments are being made with respect to the statement that is contained in the information, right, to, to which Flynn pleaded guilty. But every prosecutor knows Everybody who listens to your show knows that the plea deal was a subset of all of the information that was otherwise available to the DOJ at the time. Of course. Right? The idea that you would go back and fly spec and then say, oh, well, you know, thus there was no basis for investigating Michael Flynn is just nonsense. And and the reference that they make to the 302s are references to, well, you know, we could – we were thinking about shuttering this, but of course, like closing an investigation is not, could be reopened at any time, right? Like <laughs> that's not the same as dismissing a, a crime to which yeah. someone has pled guilty uh, uh, after the fact. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I think, I think what's going to happen is I think Sullivan will call an evidentiary hearing. He might want to talk to some folks at Covington Burling, which is it Covington Burlington or Covington Burling or Burlington Coat Factory? <laughs> So it is Covington and Burling, and I should have said at the outset of this that, right, I used to work for Covington and Burling. I I know Flynn's former lawyers. I said this the last time we mm-hmm. talked about this. So, you know, in, in full disclosure, uh, I, 
uh, you know, that's my conflict of oh, interest. Okay, we're because we're all real weird about that here on, <laughs> on this fucking podcast. I, I mean, I don't think you need to be an ex-Covington and Burling <laughs> attorney to know that it's a downgrade to go from Covington and Burling to Sydney fucking Powell. Yeah, uh, I think you're but, probably uh, safe in that assumption. But in any case, I think I'll call an evidentiary hearing. I'm, I am less concerned with the dismissal or not dismissal because I think it'll end up being pardoned anyway in either of those cases. I'm more concerned with what could come out in an evidentiary hearing with Sullivan. He could ask Barr to come and tell him what the fuck, bro. He could bring Tim Shea in and say, what's your DC Barr number, buddy? He could, he could, I mean, and he, he's a get to the bottom of it, hates government corruption and doesn't like to give breaks to people just because they're army generals. In fact, it's quite the opposite. So I'm just, uh, I'm really interested to see what happens, but I appreciate you answering my questions today. Yeah. Well, thanks as always for having me on. I, I hope that that's the case. I, I fear that Judge Sullivan may just sort of throw up his hands, you know, and, and at the point in which you know that, uh, that above your pay grade, everything is raining down. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him for feeling discouraged, but, uh, let's let's keep our let's let's uh, i love i love the optimism well we'll know soon he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to not follow through on a rule of law (laughs) situation so but we will know we will know soon uh everybody thank you andrew torres you check out his podcast it's called opening arguments you get anywhere you find your podcasts uh and uh follow him on twitter and uh thank you very much anything else you want to add before i let you go no, AJ, just thanks as always for having me on. Love uh, love coming here to chat with you. Yeah, of course, 100%. And everybody stick around because right after this, we have the good news block <laughs> to counter everything that that uh, Andrew and I just spoke about. And we have quarantine confessions, and it's all with Jordan Coburn. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ancestry DNA. There are many paths to finding your family story. Whichever way you choose, tracing your family generations back with a family tree or uncovering your ethnicity with Ancestry DNA, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. At Ancestry DNA, the test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. Uh, You can find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of great-grandma as a little girl. Whatever you find, it's sure to change the whole way you look at your family history and yourself and your future. After all, the story of your family is the story of you. Uh, When I got my results back, uh, I learned I'm related to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Uh, Not the ones from the fake thing. There's actually just two people named Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. And one of my ancestors was a famous comedy musician who played the banjos in the 20s named Harry Reeser. So funny. The stories you learn about your family's shared past can bring you closer together, can make you understand more about yourself. Ancestry DNA can trace paths of your ancestors and give insightful geographic details about your family history. No other DNA tests uh, deliver such unique interactive experiences. And it's easy to start making discoveries with Ancestry. Grab an Ancestry DNA kit and start a free trial to amplify your discoveries with Ancestry's billions of records. Start exploring your family story today. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And joining me today for the good news and quarantine confessions is none other than 27-year-old Jordan Coburn. Hello, 27-year-old. <laughs> Hello. Hello, happy birthday. <laughs> hey. Thank you so much. I know it was Friday, but still. 
Yes, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Everybody was so kind. I was talking about it. I forget if it was in the beans or or my um, MSW hot note, but just appreciation for all the, the love on Twitter, the birthday love and Facebook and stuff. Yes, wonderful. And we had a good time. I'm glad you were able to pop in on the uh, meet and greet um, or the quarantine party, pizza, happy hour, whatever, whatever we call it. <laughs> we still don't have a name for it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Me too. Very fun. How are you? Ah, I'm good. I'm good. So we have some good news today. Yes, we have lots of good news and quarantine confessions, but we always start here with the good news. Uh, here we go. Our first piece of good news comes from Stacy. Stacy says, I recently got a hardcore Trumper to switch parties with some very tough love for a while. Seriously, I was a big bitch to him. I'm surprised he still speaks to me. <laughs> and then just pointing out facts. <laughs> this friend is unable to work because of his health and receives government benefits due to it. I have no problem with someone receiving benefits who needs them. But when he said he just liked the guy, meaning Trump, I asked him why. What does Trump fulfill for you that you are missing in your life? Why do you approve of the cruelty, etc.? He would shoot back with Obama or Hillary Fox News Drudge Report propaganda, which was easily disproven, or just ignore me completely, which was fine. Eventually pointing out that his benefits were being targeted started to soften him up. But Trump's incompetence handling the virus pushed him over the edge. He recently informed me that he is switching parties, will vote for Biden, and thanked me for helping him see the light. I wasn't the one who pushed him over the edge. Trump's incompetence did. But the challenging but challenging him got him there. Woo! Nice. That's amazing, Stacy. Well done. That's fucking amazing. I love hearing that shit because that's one of those things that seems damn near impossible. So Yep. Love to hear that. Fuck yes. Uh next up from Anonymous. This week, I got a newsletter from my representative to California for uh, Tom McClintock. He wanted to make sure all his constituents knew about Bill fucking Barr's memo about preserving our civil liberties to go out and act like morons in this public crisis. I was appalled. So the first thing I did was go to Bryn Kennedy's campaign. Is that how you say her name? B-R-Y-N-N-E. That's a beautiful name. Mm-hmm. It is pretty. Yeah, Bryn Kennedy's campaign website and made a $25 donation. I also filled out the contact form on Tom's newsletter, telling him that I made that donation to his opponent in the hopes that he will get to understand firsthand come January what it's like to stand in the unemployment line. Go, Bryn! Nice. Cool. Yes. Uh, next up from Diana. On this Mother's Day, I need to brag a little about my awesome son. He moved home with us six months ago to try to change his career from cooking to tech. Through hard work and a bit of prescience, uh, he just landed a job in his new field in D.C. He did all of his new education online. Coronavirus is adding some delays for background checks, but he'll be moving there soon. Hooray! I'm so, so proud of him. That's crazy. Holy crap. Changing, like, I was going to say vocations, careers, whatever name is best for that. Whatever, like, in the middle of this. That's insane. That's amazing. Yeah. Holy crap. Yep. Hell yeah. Good job. Go, son. From Debbie in Colorado. I've been volunteering with an ad hoc group set up through Nextdoor and Facebook called the NoCo Mask Making Team. Among our donors, fabric cutters, and sewers, we've made more than 8,000 cloth masks over the last six weeks that have been given to local first responders and medical groups. That's a huge number. 8,000. My God. Uh, We've about covered that area of need and have started donating to others on the COVID front lines. Recently, we sent 500 masks to agricultural workers. That's really cool. I'm so encouraged that in our very red quarter of Colorado, we've come up with a dynamic outlet for trying to make a difference. 
amazing. That's so great. That is, I think that's probably more masks than the CDC has sent out. So well yeah, done. yeah, that is a lot of masks. That is really cool. Next up from Molly. Molly says, I had to resign from my job this week. Don't worry. Still a good news story. They knew I thought it was too early to return to work safely, but still asked me to come back this week. So I was forced to choose between my health or my bills like millions of others. Fortunately, I'll be okay financially at least for a month or so until I can figure out what's next as if anyone knows these days. It's good news because it was a seriously toxic environment and in the long run this is the best thing I could have done for my mental health. Thanks for not letting me forget to take care of myself. Heart, I appreciate you all. Yay for getting out of a job that makes you feel like shit. I know that it's complicated but yay. (laughs) It's tough but it's wonderful. I just went through it myself so i I have much empathy for what you're going through. Um, I seriously do. So uh, I'm I'm glad you're able to see the silver lining, and and I'm glad that you're staying positive. It's a it's an inspiration. Yes, that is so cool. Uh, next up from Wendy. Hi, my lovelies. You don't know me, but I know you. You are with me every morning to help me start my day. Well-informed, and I appreciate it so much. I had to share my good news that my husband, for the first time in his life, has stood up to his (laughs) Trump-loving mother. She was praising the Michigan protests and whining that she can't buy her can of paint and how terrible that their golf courses aren't being maintained. He told her to stop watching Fox News and go ahead and buy that can of paint if it's so important, but he hopes she doesn't die from doing so. Maybe if we can take the courage to stand up to these people, we can really spark change. We have to. I love you guys, and keep on keeping on. That is a really hard thing to do. That takes a lot of courage. That is a lot of adrenaline flowing through your body in that moment. Very true. <laughs> Standing up to Trump family members. That's a big theme. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. That's a big theme in our community um, of listeners and patrons and, and that, you know, so many people just have family members that are Trump supporters. It's just it's a, it's a tough it's a tough thing to navigate. It's just really, really hard. So, yeah, yeah, definitely power to to your husband uh finally from anna marie anna marie says my 73 year old mom was very straight laced when i was growing up she never swore except for damn it so of course i love swearing i never used swears around her until i was in my 30s and certainly not the f word but lately i swear a lot more since trump has occupied the white house my mother hates that he is president as much as i do and recently when we talk about the latest awful thing he's done she has begun to drop a (laughs) well-placed f-bomb now and then i can't express how happy this makes me the really good news is that she now has started to listen to msw and the daily beans as well she always did get her news from multiple sources but she said she likes the daily beans because you report an update on her on things she didn't know about she likes the Huber too. I'm so happy I get to share you with her. Thank you for being comprehensive and reporting what's happening in the political realm. I love you all. Yay! Welcome, new listener, Mama. That's <laughs> so great. And happy Mother's Day. Yes. Yeah, my mom if, if, later on in life started dropping an occasional F bomb here and there too, but in a very proper manner. I remember <laughs> she looked at me the other day and said, Allie. What the fuck is up with that? <laughs> just very, just very. As a matter of fact, um, it was very. Uh, it's it's adorable. It's like when it's. It, I just I absolutely love it. So yeah. happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, and happy Mother's Day to you. And uh, keep it up. Totally, and you'll find a lot of fucks on this podcast. So <laughs> you're really in it now. <laughs> oh gosh. 
Well, that was our good news block today, everybody. You can always tweet us those at Daily Beans Pod or email them to us, and we will do our best to get as many on the air as we can. Thank you so much. And now it's time for the second part of our D block quarantine confessions. All right, our first one comes from Anonymous. Anonymous says, Sometimes the bad news really gets me down, so I stand in my kitchen and scream at the very top of my lungs. The release is great. Oh, I feel that. Hmm. Do you live in an apartment? <laughs> or sit in your own house? <laughs> Someone probably thinks something horribly wrong happens every night at 6 p.m. <laughs> That's funny. Um, screaming, yeah, screaming is amazing. There's also these rooms. I know you can't do it now, but I've heard that there are rooms that have furniture that's meant to be destructed and then easily put back together. So you can go into a room and just like rock star thrash the shit out of it and like break the chairs and the tables and like all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll give you like dishware to break yeah. and glasses to throw against the wall. Yes, yeah. I love mm-hmm. that. And then you just walk out and some like puppet strings lift up and everything goes back in its place or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember when uh i was remodeling a house and man when we did the demolition i probably took a good 20 years of uh angst out on (laughs) totally (laughs) on those walls so (laughs) it's it's uh i totally feel that cathartic uh, okay, next up from Anonymous. Thank you, everyone, at Muller She Wrote slash Daily Beans slash Starburns Audio for keeping me informed and entertained while I try to balance the competing demands of motherhood and career during COVID confinement. My confession is that the balancing act is actually often unsuccessful. I needed 15 to 20 uninterrupted minutes for a video call, so I put the two three to five-year-olds in the bath and, oh, three and a half-year-olds. That might makes more sense. Um, and hoped they would entertain themselves long enough. They had a great time squealing with delight. When I finished the call and went to the bathroom, I discovered they had unrolled two entire rolls of toilet paper in the tub. They were frolicking in in a dissolved slurry of toilet paper, laughing merrily on the outside. I could have cried. All that precious toilet paper gone to waste. Oh my god. How did I not even think about that? That's so true. A few days later, another call. Undeterred by my previous experience, I decided to deploy the bath again. I thought ahead and removed all the toilet paper from the bathroom. Again, much delighted squealing. Imagine my happiness when I found a trail of kitty litter between the litter box and the bathtub. And two boys (laughs) playing in water with three pounds of clumping kitty litter amongst them. I'm finding my quest to combine parenting and work quite draining. Oh my god. I can't think of two worse household objects to put in a bathtub <laughs> i know maybe yeah, glitter other other than a pre-filled cat litter box it doesn't get much worse <laughs> that's like did you say glitter yeah oh my god yes i was just thinking of uh of that viral video of a lady who had a, gl- a bath bomb with glitter in it and it just left like a coat of shimmery glitter on her tub that wouldn't come off and then her cat went and rolled around in it and then her cat ah, was shimmery for like a week. That's so funny. Oh, this is a funny story. First off, that's hilarious and you're killing it as a working parent. That's um, very, very funny. <laughs> for us as listeners, that didn't have to clean it up at least. Uh, but my my older sister, she has a hairless cat and they just like they super get into mischief they have these insane personalities and apparently my sister 
she has like a few different animals and it's a situation where like when one tries to eat the other you know tries to like eat their food like she has a tiny dog and then she also has like a doberman and then she has this hairless cat so whenever whenever starry the chihuahua eats she closes the door and puts the food in the bathroom so saint can't come in saints the doberman and eat all of starry's food but then that also locks Sebastian out, which is where the cat litter box is normally. It's in the bathroom. So she said she found out that Sebastian's been improvising and using the washer. <laughs> which is like the worst, the worst thing ever. Oh my gosh. So funny. Um... Okay, next up from Anonymous. My husband and I are both avid podcast listeners, but we listen to very different types of podcasts. His are pretty useless. Uh, so we are often in the house doing our work or chores, each wearing our own AirPods, listening to our own podcasts. Who said romance is dead? But honestly, sometimes I use it as an excuse because I just can't be at... I can't... Because I just can't be arsed talking. So I'll wear my AirPods just to avoid talking. No podcast playing. Totally get that. Occasionally going to the links to talk loudly. Can't hear you. I'm just in the interesting bit. I'll come to find you to avoid talking. (laughs) Reminds me of, uh, I can't remember what comic it was, but it was a local San Diego comic who, remember when everybody was wearing that fucking Bluetooth? My God, yes. In their ear? And and he said uh, it might have been Mateen. And he oh, he, that's he, so on brand. <laughs> that is so on. He wears it when he's having sex with his girlfriend. So if he, if he asks for something gro- like too much that she doesn't want to do, uh, and she's like, "No, I don't want to do that," he'll point to the Bluetooth and be like, "I wasn't talking." To you. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. And I think I still see him walking around with the Bluetooth. Ag. <laughs> I I know. I know. I know. Oh gosh, that's so funny. Um, Anonymous finishes the message by saying, I know, worst wife ever. You're not the worst wife ever. Sometimes we just need some freaking airspace, you know? Hey, it's AirPods today. It's hearing aids tomorrow. Tomorrow it'll be like, I, I can't, the hearing aids turned down. Can't, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. It's broken. It's on the fritz. Exactly. Uh, okay, we got a couple more. From Melissa, I live alone and have always thought of myself as a strong, independent woman. I have been talking with my friends and family a lot during quarantine, but this week has been really, really hard. It's been two months since I have spoken with a loved one in person. It's hard for me to be vulnerable, but I've reached out and told my family how I'm struggling this week and last night. My brother surprised me with delivery from my favorite restaurant, and we had dinner together over FaceTime. It really helped me feel less alone, and now I'm not as afraid to ask for more emotional support when I need it. Aww. Hmm. That's so sweet. You're a good brother. Nice family. That's cool. Good for you for reaching out. It is funny how surprising. I'm jealous. My therapist told me um, once, like, you have to, like, give people the chance to react well, basically, to, like, what you're saying or, like, what you're asking. Like, so many times we just assume it's, you know, maybe not going to be fruitful or something and and if you give people that chance yeah then it's cool oh yeah we always expect the worst right Mm -hmm. and and it's never the case it's never the case and we never learn totally and so many things that we don't do just like being afraid it's going to be pointless and i'm really glad you did it and you saw that it wasn't 
okay, next up from Anonymous. My husband doesn't know how much money I spent to buy a Nintendo Switch on eBay. My coworkers don't know how often I'm playing Animal Crossing during teleconference. I don't care. <laughs> how much are those on eBay right now? Let me see. I'm curious. They're like new. They're like three four, or four hundred bucks. Yeah, I've seen on eBay four hundred forty bucks. Hopefully you're sorry. <laughs> Hopefully your husband doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Uh, 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 yeah I just, uh. <laughs> but seriously how much are multiple therapy sessions though and i mean really right exactly very true pays for itself like solar panels very quickly <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally from chris today my high school age son shaved off his eyebrows experiencing near immediate <laughs> regret at no point did i discourage this behavior better than tv <laughs> So this was on purpose. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> he was going for the Whoopi Goldberg and, and immediately regretted his decision. Yeah, I feel like part of the decision to do it is like almost seeking after the regret. That's how inevitable it is. <laughs> like how how could you expect any different of an outcome? That's so funny. Maybe he's like, maybe he's like going Blue Man Group or something. That's, um, I'm trying to think of, uh maybe just curiosity just to see what it would look like and then you're like oh yeah i look like voldemort (laughs) (laughs) ah well they grow back isn't that nice all right that's quarantine confessions everybody just like our good news you can tweet us those at daily beans pod or email them to us and keep them coming everybody absolutely so great i love this segment it's the airpods oh i can't hear you this is the good part (laughs) it's just getting into the (laughs) yeah it's the good part and my pause button is broken (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's a good part and i have no fingers (laughs) (laughs) oh man Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And keep sending those in. Um, like Jordan said, we, we, we love getting them. And um, any, I don't know, any final thoughts, Jordan, before we, before we let, let you go? No, not for me. Next time I talk to you all, I will be broadcasting from my own little one bedroom apartment. Mm, so exciting. Yes. But uh, there's probably going to be a change in audio quality, by the way. So just anticipate that. I don't know how it's going to sound, oh. but uh, it'll probably just sound different. Just a change? Yeah, yeah, just because different yeah. acoustics and whatnot. Is it, did you get a one-bedroom, two-bedroom? It's a one-bedroom, yeah. Right on. It's like a one-bedroom little standalone house thing. Oh, cute. I love standalone houses because yeah. it's, I don't know, I feel I feel more like, I don't know, I feel safer or yeah. like you can't hear other people as easily. So that's very cool. I'll have to come check it out. Well, when, when we're allowed, I'll have to come do like a, a 10 feet away hanging out with masks uh, housewarming yes absolutely it used to be an airbnb too so there's all of these like label maker instructions all over the house <laughs> <laughs> everything's labeled does the toilet say toilet because that would be great <laughs> yeah it's more so instructions on how to use the toilet like there's like a label that will say over the flusher gentle <laughs> Hold down until everything's flushed. No (laughs) feminine hygiene products, please. Yes, totally. It's beautiful, though. I'm super stoked. I can't wait to see it. I'm so happy. Thank you. 
All right. Well, thank you. And I'm glad you had a good birthday weekend. And I'm glad you're getting a, a new environment. I know that's always exciting. And I love setting everything up. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to you having those good feelings. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Oh, thanks. Everybody else, I appreciate you as well. Thanks to our patrons. Thanks to our listeners who, who can't be patrons right now. We just appreciate everyone for exactly what you're doing and who you are. So please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.